Hello and welcome to the Ramen Profitable Podcast. My name is Atish Mazumdar and I'm here with my co-pilot, the great and powerful Chris Scott. And this is the podcast about testing out your ideas, taking your first steps, and really overcoming those obstacles on the way to entrepreneurship. Enjoy. So uh, what's new, man? Thanks for uh, coming and visiting the other day. Yeah, no problem. I just, yeah, I had a, a work gig up in Phoenix for a night. And so, you know, it's nice to uh, see you in person. Yeah, it was it was good. This has been a purely digital relationship for a while uh, now. So it, yeah, uh, for a very long time. Good to remember that you're not a, a deep fake, that you're, <laughs> that you're not like someone just like put your your face well, on something. And that's still debatable. Yeah, still still kind of debatable. But uh I, I I mean, obviously now I know, but uh, you know, I was presuming yesterday I was like, well, I, I sure hope he got home all right. <laughs> yeah, I got home fine. It was a little late, a little later than I expected, but still. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good drive. It's not that bad of a drive, Tucson to Phoenix. It's really not. No, everyone gives it uh so much hate and stuff like that, but honestly, I find it to be the perfect amount of time because it's enough time, like you can complete a full podcast basically in between uh, Tucson to Phoenix, uh, right. which which is exactly you know what what it's good for. Or you can just listen to music, or you can listen to nothing. But it's like to be entertained by the stuff going on outside of your car windows that I've never really understood in the first place because it's purely transitory for me. I think I think that comes from a time when there weren't podcasts. And your only source of entertainment on a road trip was the radio or a cassette tape. Oh, sure, sure. So being able to look out the window, I think, was something that was uh, more valued mm-hmm. in those easier times. Uh, I but yeah, see. but it's it's perfect because it's like you can get out of town and then put on the cruise control, listen to your whole podcast, uh, turn off the podcast, and then you head back to having to concentrate on this crazy traffic that is Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in general, that and that's also the thing is that generally when I'm driving uh, to or like I'm making that drive, I'm going to Tucson when I'm time bound. Like I have to go to Tucson for something. I'm going to Tucson, which makes it much more simple because if you are time bound going to Phoenix, depending on what side of Phoenix you need to get to, it's like different times of the day, the different freeways are either really stacked or really not. And it, you would think it aligns perfectly with you know, when people go into work and when people go out, but it doesn't. The 202 no. is arbitrarily full for for reasons that no one can explain. Uh, the 51 uh, doesn't really fill up ever, but that's because everyone just uses the 10 and the 202. And I have no idea. I, I Obviously, now I'm driving as little as possible, which is great because mm-hmm. uh, I'm like not going through any gas or any like I have the same tank of gas that I had three weeks ago. It's great. That right, is great. Yeah, driving dr- driving into Phoenix is a pain in the ass, whereas uh, driving back home from Tucson. So it's like generally I'm doing that on like a Sunday morning or something like that. Easy. Yeah. No. For no problems. That's yeah. What about you? What's What's new with you? <sighs> Man, not a whole lot because uh, you know it's 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 not something I constantly want to keep bringing up on the podcast or like harping on, but. Uh, we're, I, I feel like we're looking down the barrel of another shutdown right here. Um, I agree. I, I think so as well. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, and, and for a while it looked like Arizona wasn't actually that bad because our, our escalation of cases wasn't really going as high as some of these other, uh, places on the West and East coast and, you know, somewhat in the, well, exploding in the Midwest. Uh, but 
over the past week or so, it's been looking worse and worse here in Arizona. So unfortunately, that means that on top of the fact that my gym, so not my lifting gym, but my jujitsu gym uh, is moving because uh, they they own a space that's really, really large and was both a jujitsu and a CrossFit gym. But now the business can't hold up the CrossFit side of it. So they're closing and they're going to be moving the gym over to uh, a, a new location at the top of the year. So whether or not they're closing for the remainder of the year now, or, you know, if they're staying open a little bit, it's like, it all kind of depends on what happens with, you know, the, uh, the declaration, the pandemic and everything. So, which sucks from a, from a sort of, I mean, it it sucks from a, you know, workout and jujitsu perspective in general. It also, I mean, definitely sucks for the owner because they, were in this building that was so great. And now they have to like close down and move and basically reduce their operation size because of COVID. Right. Um, but then, but then even more so just for my selfish and, and personal means, um, you know, it, it sucks because that was where I was kind of doing like my quote unquote field testing for, uh, for this, the, the nootropic blend. And now I don't have any place to do that or i mean and that's the thing i could definitely start doing it in different different modalities like maybe running or like some something else like i i can i can do that um but again that would be bringing it back down to just individual level testing whereas i was like hitting a good stride of uh doing things in the gym with multiple people multiple different uh body sizes because that was something that was kind of being shown to make a difference was that, you know, I'm, uh, roughly 170 pounds, um, but pretty lean and just tall. Whereas it's like, okay, I want to make sure this stuff still kicks for somebody who's like, you know, bigger body size, all that kind of stuff. So that I was really able to do that inside the confines of the jujitsu gym. But now if they close for the remainder of the year, it, it kind of throws a wrench into my best laid plans. Not a wrench. It's a roadblock. It's a speed hump. So it's just going to slow you down a little bit. Yeah, it's going to slow me down. And honestly, I think that that's maybe not the the worst thing in the world. Um, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other foundational stuff that I could be working on, such as, you know, and, and again, I don't know if this is um, this might be typical a tish maneuvering where I just like cram even more stuff into into something that's simple. But uh you know, I've actually been fortunate enough to be completely healthy this entire time. Like, not only have I not gotten COVID, but also I um, haven't gotten sick. Like, I haven't mm-hmm. even had a false flag where I was just like, oh, I'm run down. I feel crappy. Let me go get a COVID test. And then it turns out negative. But I was just sick. I haven't been sick this whole time. And I've been COVID negative. I've, I've gotten four COVID tests now. I need to get a test. I feel like I, I should just go out and get one. Well, if you don't feel bad right now, like right now, what I would do is uh, just go get an antibody test because then you'll at least find out if you if you already had it. And I think they're free if you donate blood. But donating blood is tricky in and of itself, because I think this is the first year where I'm actually eligible to donate blood because it's the first year that I've had enough time since I got tattooed or enough time since I went to India. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So depending on, you know, where you go on vacation or whatever, it's like you might not be eligible to give blood. I'm not sure. I, I'm so, pretty sure I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm eligible to give blood. I should oh. be doing that anyway. I'm, I think I'm O 
positive. One of the O bloods. So right, we talked about this. Yeah. It's like <laughs> so I should just do it. And if they give you a free antibodies test, yeah, I mean, what, I mean, there the you go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then you can figure out if you had it or not because I think what the latest was, and and again, like anybody listening should definitely go to some resource that's not me if you're interested in like COVID stuff because I don't know. I I basically know what what cropped up in my news feed most recently, and that's that's basically the thing that like Uh-oh. holds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. But uh, from what I understand, if you got COVID, they're showing that you are immune to COVID basically for the next like between six to nine months. So, you know, if if you find out that you had it, you're probably like fine for a little while. So it'd be worthwhile just to, you know, donate blood, get a free antibodies test, find out if you had it or if you didn't, because also the idea is that even if you can get it in the future, if you've already had it and it hasn't mutated to a point where it's unrecognizable by your system, you're going to be well, way more acclimated to fighting it off than you uh-huh. you know, would have been. So get yourself an antibody test. I, I got an antibody test way early on um, because I was naive enough to like I thought like, oh, a bunch of people around me got it. So I probably got it and it came back negative. And then I've had four actual COVID tests and there they all came back negative. And I'm about to get another one because my parents are about to come here for Thanksgiving. So just to be sure. Right. But but yeah. Um, oh, right. So how this how this pertains to, to flow roller to what I was doing. I was kind of thinking like it also wouldn't be very difficult for me to make a, a greens like a, a health, you know, immune support. Uh, thing and I was like, oh, I could build that into the product. But already I was having a hard time enough because I was trying to capsule everything. If you recall, I do. Already the amount of or the the volume of substances that I was already using, predominantly, you know, the the lines, main mushroom, and all that kind of stuff, already was a hard enough time to get into the capsule. So. Now the like the idea I was like oh yeah I could I could add like an immune health benefit to it like you know basic things that everybody needs uh, and some people get it through their diet but most people don't um, vitamin C zinc you know uh, and some B vitamins those are basically the things that you know don't can't cure COVID or don't have anything to do with COVID really but they have a an immunosupporting function that may help you fight off the like basically the two parts of it if the viral load isn't high enough and if your immune responses is good enough so i think that's that's really been what's been successful with me is like a three-part number one that i'm you know safe about it that i keep my mask on distance i live like a monastic life where basically i work from home i don't really see anybody and i go to the gym and all that kind of stuff um but uh, that and then combined with the fact that I, in general, have good immune system health and then combined with the fact that uh, I must maybe have not encountered someone with COVID. But I find that kind of hard to believe. So I'm starting to believe more and more that just because my health is good, I'm able to fight co- or respond to COVID better. Right. But that might be a naive assumption. Well, I don't know. It's It's one of those weird things where. Like you get comfortable and not being like, like, like getting too comfortable in the, in the, like you're like you, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> but you know how like people get too comfortable with uh, like, oh, I'll never 
crash my bike while riding it and then they crash right. the bike like a minute after that right you know like most you know like it's a confidence that just comes from not failing at all or from not being exposed to the negative aspects of whatever you're talking about right right which could be a false sense of, in in this example could be a false sense of confidence because you know i uh I didn't think you could even get a DUI while dr- riding a bike, but it turns out that you can. I've just never gotten a DUI while riding a bike. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but it's just like getting comfortable in that in that space of being uh, like fearful. I think is a good thing for some mm-hmm. aspects of life, but maybe not with uh, a virus we don't know a lot about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. That's fair. But basically, I'm what I'm reminding myself or what I'm trying to do is like, don't overcomplicate what I already have going on. Like there's no sense in trying to like, like immediately be like, Oh, okay. So testing is slow is slowing because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. Huh? Maybe I should jam some more ingredients into this and call it an immune support thing as well. It's like, ah, or maybe it's not something you jam into it. Maybe it's a, a supplemental supplement complete. Yeah, 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 exactly. A supplemental supplement. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's completely separate. And, and so, but I caught myself yesterday having those thoughts and being like, oh yeah, I I could definitely just jam that into. And it's like, why do this? Like why, why overcomplicate it for myself? Right. Exactly. But you know, it might be a good idea to figure out what other, uh, exercises, I guess, Maybe something like cycling or running or something like that that could yeah. be, be that could benefit from uh, flow roll. Yeah, that you know you don't have to just test it yourself. Maybe you can give it to your same uh, subjects, your yeah lab rats. But they're doing it independently on on yeah. whatever. See how you know do your do these types of exercises for a week mm-hmm. on your own. Yeah, a week later, do it with the flow roll. See if you feel a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, it's all qualitative at this point. It's not any quantitative data. So there's no reason, you know, that I need to be there monitoring it myself, you know, because I'm a control freak. I I feel that way, but that is probably not the case. Right. And you can always like zoom in or FaceTime in and watch if (laughs) if you want to watch them do air jumps or whatever you have them do. But, uh, but it's also be a good, uh, opportunity to take out the things that make people feel bad. Yeah. Or if they don't feel things at all, like to get that sense of levels. Yeah. Yeah. And, and see, that's kind of been one of the, one of the things that's, that's really been the, the problem, the problem that I've been encountering that I haven't yet really figured out how to solve for, because for instance, take, you know, what would be competing products or take something that like is already established in the market, but for difference, you know, whatever. Um, there's, there's the really popular on it product called alpha brain and it, pretty much from what I understand, it's like everyone from somebody who, uh, there's somebody who I, I train with, who's probably just shy of 200 pounds. And then there are also, you know, females who are about 20 or, or, you know, a hundred pounds or something like that. And they all take the same dose and they all seem to be fine on it. Mm-hmm. And that is not the way this has been playing out for me. Right. So, so I don't know how to, like so so you're right maybe that should be an you know take this as an opportunity as opposed to you know thinking like oh everything's gonna shut down again you know whatever maybe it's an opportunity to focus on a different side of it and see if i can like solve for those variables and that that kind of stuff as opposed to just looking at it like oh well gyms are closing you know can't do anything but it sucks everyone freeze don't do anything for six months or however long this is going to take two months hopefully yeah i mean that's the thing right because last time 
I think it was uh, uh, they were shutting everything down for two weeks. Yeah. And, then and it turned into months. Yeah. Months. Yeah. So so you're right. I mean, I guess the strategy here is to not just like fold to the unknown, but to actually, you know, OK, th- these are the circumstances we find ourselves in. Why not pivot to something useful and and make something of that, you know, as opposed to just freezing completely. For sure. I'm into that. I'm into that. I think uh, last week we were kind of touching a little bit about how we would want to uh, promote ramen profitable and you know you've you devised previously i i was uh i don't know if we've we've addressed this on this podcast or not but you kind of built up this whole business plan for elephant scout at one point in time i did that, yes uh, that even had it was complete with uh like it was i mean i saw the pdf version but i would imagine if it was like printed or like in a binder or something like that it was complete with page numbers and uh like it just like read through really professionally and stuff like that. And so I kind of wanted to to figure out how we would go about marketing ramen profitable or, or how are we going about promoting this and, and doing that. And uh, I'm pretty poor, not, not poor, but like I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty weak at the whole uh, social media game or the, you know, understanding how all these things, uh, kind of different digital uh, landscapes all kind of work together and what the best way to do that is. So I figured we could, uh, we could work through that together. All right. So we want to establish a marketing strategy for ramen profitable. Yes. For our podcast that we have been doing for, this is our 19th episode, which weirdly, as I was researching this, that was one of the things, and it kind of makes me wonder if this is a chicken and egg sort of problem or something like that. Because as I was researching uh, marketing for podcasts or how people promote podcasts, one of the things that I saw pretty regularly across it, like I was spending a lot of time on Reddit. But one of the things that I saw across was that they were saying like, oh, you want to make sure you have a you want to make sure you have like a catalog of podcasts already. Like you want to have a number of episodes. So it kind of makes me wonder, it's like, how did that start? Because if you, so you're not meant to promote a podcast with only one episode or like, Oh, this is our first episode. Time to, time to push it because, uh, then you don't have enough like content for people to work through and decide whether they like it or not. I presume, is that the reason behind it or what's I, that? I think the idea of setting up, uh, a, uh, like a mini catalog of episodes mm-hmm. is to prove that you're worth sticking around for, or that you're worth that. That's that, uh, the, the person you're, you're planning on subscribing to speaks in a way that you understand and is providing the value that you're looking for yeah. at whatever moment of your business podcast search you're looking for. <laughs> Or, or whatever it is, mind you. Yeah, but so I guess the idea then is to, is to, I mean, have quality content first before anything else. I think the idea is to, it's, it's hard to get people to hop on board with something that's like brand new and fresh. Okay. So if you only have one picture on your Instagram page or someone has one picture on their Instagram page, are you going to subscribe or follow that page? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, probably not because it could also just be that like, oh, they set up an account and they're never going to touch it again. Right. Or it's probably a bot. This has got, this looks like a bot. This looks yeah. scammy. It looks scammy. Yeah. Yep. So I think the idea is to, you know, post nine, at least nine things when you first open your Instagram. So you're not just 
you're you're providing more context to what you're trying to provide to your mm-hmm. audience that you're trying to build. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the purpose of having a mini catalog in your podcast platform, but as maybe as well as your social media, yeah. have a little bit of content to provide context to your persona, your brand, all that fun stuff. Sure, sure. So luckily, we already have that done. We have 19 podcasts or 18 podcasts, technically. Beautiful. Soon to be 19. Soon to be 19. This is number 19. This will be number 19. So I guess... meta. (laughs) A good one, Atish. Good one. Yeah. So I think first step for us is to kind of define our audience and figure out who we're trying to reach out to. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, and this is the part where I get a little uh, nervous because it's have you ever uh, heard of this uh, I forget what his name is I want to say it's like Trevor Wallace oh is he that uh, comedian yeah and he does like those dumb videos where he's like carrying yeah. a park or something yeah and he plays or- all the characters and right exactly so so he's that guy who does those videos that are like and, and say what you will but it's like he does those videos that are basically about certain slices of stereotypes of people right so like uh the way i found out about him was because it was he did this video about like what people who drink bang are like and you know whatever um and as somebody who drank bang for a period of time uh when i was getting a whole lot more heart palpitations i just wanted to see what that was about but so he also has this video about uh entrepreneurs And it's like that ultimately is our audience, right, is young professionals or entrepreneurs who are trying to figure out how to navigate the difference between like basically what is the delta between employee to entrepreneur? Because that's that's you're already farther along in that like you've been self-employed for, I don't know, like a decade. So. Don't put numbers to things. I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make a statement <laughs> for a here. While, just, for a while. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah, mean, for sure. I just mean you've yeah. been self-employed with your own business for a, you know, a longer period of time. Whereas I'm kind of in this interesting uh, space where I'm working on things individually in my spare time, but I'm still holding on to a full-time job, which is basically like if you look at the continuum – that's that's somewhere along the beginning and eventually you phase out the routine work or you somehow get assets that are, you know, giving you um, passive income so that that right. way all you do is, you know, so it's it's basically the our audience is the people who want to learn how to navigate the delta between employee to entrepreneur. There's probably a better way to say that, but that's that's basically the way I interpret it. My concern with that is that uh, if you watch the video, it's like it's all the people who uh, write all the same stuff, right? Or they, they want to hustle or they want to, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. And it becomes not only is it an interesting study on America's obsession with like productivity and working and all that kind of stuff, but also I find some of that stuff to be really, really not valueless, but kind of like empty advice, Right. You know, it's like really flashy. It's really uh, vague and broad to kind of reach this really wide audience. And it's, I feel like that the audience that those people are reaching out to, they're people that kind of don't have an employer. They're kind of just independently wealthy somehow, Mm -hmm. or they're at a phase in their life where they're kind of in between like graduating college and being on their own. And they have, you know, a little help maybe from whomever or wherever they get their help from. And, 
it's just becoming these people that I, I, they just all seem like they don't have, they, they all say they work, but I don't believe they actually work. Right. Yeah. And, and that's sort of the thing that I wanted to make sure that we were kind of on a different, and, and I think that's, that's the difference here, right? Is, is that, uh, I'm, because there are there are these like channels of that v- type that I really really like or at least I find really tolerable or something like that. There's that guy Tom B Tom Billy I don't know whatever he's I think he's Canadian I'm not sure, but the point is, is like he already was this uh, exceptionally successful businessman or whatever, and now he just runs a show where he has other like motivational or business leaders or something like that on, and they talk about like. And that's it's both good, but it also has this kind of after effect like, oh, you know, uh, it it kind of has that Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, you just got to execute over everything consistently every day, blah, 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 whatever. And then meanwhile, there are those of us who are still wondering, like, okay, how do I do uh, taxes as a 1099 or how do I do? You, You know what I mean? It's like there's there's a firm delta between, you know, uh execute every day and outwork everyone and blah, blah, blah. And then figuring out how you actually do that. You know what I mean? And so, so in defining our audience, I, I would say that like, we do share a lot of the same audience with the Gary Vaynerchuks and the Tom, et cetera, et cetera. And that kind of stuff, because, because who would be our audience, right? Young entrepreneurial people who either have ideas for something or who want to work on their own kind of projects or who are trying to figure out who are are trying to navigate you know transitioning from being an employee to being an entrepreneur or to to you know being self-employed at least right i think that's our audience it's not right uh it's not 100 percent what gary v right audience is i feel like gary gary v is very uh plays to people that have questions but he doesn't allow people to question things it's like you just need to act why are you asking questions it's like do things right Right. and some people can't just give up everything and just start doing things right they need to work 40 hours a week at with an employer to transition to become an entrepreneur yeah exactly exactly and that's sort of the thing so so i think that's kind of the the interesting valley that we uh that's the interesting valley that we occupy, right? Because you have more philosophically minded podcasts or shows or something like that, that are more talking about the spirit of doing something. And then you have these channels, whether they're YouTube channels or podcasts, or whatever, that actually step by step, you know, whether they're cooking shows or whatever, walk you through what you need to do to get to your end product. I think that we sit at this, you know, kind of, uh, what is that called? A Venn diagram? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we yeah. sit in the middle of these of this kind of Venn diagram where it's like, look, we're looking at, you know, generally uh, younger people, but I don't think it's necessarily age restrictive. Uh, I, but I would say our audience is generally younger people who are making a transition from employee to entrepreneur who are interested in both the f- philosophy of it as in, you know, um, sometimes we, we talk about uh, – how or why we would do something, but then they're also, you know, interested in the specifics like, okay, how do I go about, you know, making sure my product is, uh, valid or is blue ocean? How do I go about, you know, collecting feedback? Like our episode with Preston, uh, earlier this, that wasn't this month. I think that was last month. Yeah. Uh, how do we go about 
collecting feedback? How do we go about testing out names? How do we go about, you know, whatever, split testing, A-B testing, you know, whatever. There's more mechanical side to it or like tactile side to it. So I think that's who our audience really is. It's like people who are a little unsure of steps forward, but uh, are trying to kind of create their own thing. I also think uh, on top of that, it's the steps to be uh, a goal that's not sell to for a billion dollars, you know, create a business and sell for a billion. Like we just want to get to a point where we can uh, sustain our livability. Right. Be ramen profitable. It's in the name. Right. So the goals are not going to be extreme and huge. It's going to be, you know, make 3000 bucks a month or whatever your ramen profitability margin is. Yeah. Which, which also comes with a fair amount more, uh, execution, I would say, because it's like, because, uh, if you, and this may just be personal, but if it's like, look, if I'm looking to make a billion dollars, I get so wrapped up in like, oh, what's a billion dollar idea? And then you completely lose the side of it. That's like, no, this is completely all tangible and actionable. Just, you know, oh, how do you, uh, how do you form an LLC? How do you do it? You know, you don't, need to be trying to, you know, disrupt the XYZ market in order to do that. It's actually right. a lot more. And and that's something that I learned in creating this podcast. So I think that's, that's the other part of it, right? Is that like people who are stuck entirely in their, in their ideas or something like that, who are looking for something actionable. That's what this podcast is because it's, it's, it's taking away the mystique of it basically. All right. So I, we've defined our audience here. Yeah. Uh, I guess now we need to figure out where, where do we find that audience? Where do those people live on the internet? Yeah. Where, where does our audience live? Uh, you know, and I think the easiest answer, uh, I I think that that, that question in and of itself runs the risk naturally of being the, the misleading easy button, right? That it's like, where do they live? Oh, social media. We're going to post on social media. Right. 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 But, but that's exactly that. And, and it seems so easy. That's that's what all of these platforms make it seem is that it's like, oh, yeah, just start posting stuff and you're good and be authentic and all this kind of stuff. Like those are all the things that you read. But that's actually super not misleading. I think that that would be the wrong thing to say uh, or not the most accurate thing to say, rather. But it's it might cause you to not being not be able to see the forest through the trees because the accounts or or the profiles or the whatever on social media that are doing really well and are performing um, probably share a lot of the characteristics with the BuzzFeed listicles that are telling you to just like be authentic and be yourself and all that kind of stuff, which is important. But uh, they're also probably way more targeted and way more like specific than than we might realize from the outside on the outside it looks like oh here's this guy who's like posting about like here he is working out in his whatever shorts right and that's Short shorts <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um and and it's just him working out and he just like worked out on a sunday and posted it but there's actually a fair i i would imagine that there's actually a whole lot more to it and and you spoke to a i think uh this was last episode as well you spoke to a social media guru who is kind of walking you through that kind of stuff. But if we're trying to figure out where our audience really lives and all that kind of stuff, and, and you helped me on this on a previous, uh, previous uh, episode as well, when we were talking about specifically flow roll, uh-huh. it was, it was kind of more centered around like 
the the psychology of it. It's like, how do they like to interact with you? How do they like to be, you know, uh, responded to and all that kind of stuff? And that made me realize that I really should have been working on Reddit. And and that was that was the kind of forum that that really worked for that. So if we're trying to establish, you know, where our uh, where our audience lives, so to speak, or, or how to get in contact with them, I think that the easy button is always to say social media. But as as you know, you've kind of pushed me into into looking a little bit deeper. It kind of makes a, a lot of sense to really investigate, like, how do they respond how do they actually engage because that's another buzzword that just goes on right exactly so where, where can we actually have conversations with people that follow us and yeah where can we learn about success stories or uh, where can people ask us questions that we can address in future episodes right and and that's if we're talking about podcast i think what naturally makes the most sense is actually youtube mm-hmm. because I can't even think of a mechanic. Like, I don't know how to leave personally. Personally, I actually don't know how to review a podcast. You know what I mean? uh, It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It takes work. Yeah. It's because I just get on my podcast app of choice, whatever it is. I am in the the podcast catalog that I'm trying to listen to. And I just click an episode and maybe there's a star ranking in there somewhere. But I'd be hard pressed to figure out how to comment on it. And then... Do I even know if my comments are going to the podcast? Because this is just some app. This isn't even like their specific app or or their. So I feel like people don't engage on like the literal podcast app, like or wherever they're listening to the podcast. So, okay, So they're not going to engage through there. Or if they do, maybe that's through iTunes. Uh, If people still leave iTunes reviews, I really don't know. Like I, I, it just doesn't seem like that's turf. Right. I mean, or that's valid. So then if I think about it, where do I see a lot of people who uh, listen to podcasts, whether they be as big as, you know, the Joe Rogan experience, which is arguably the biggest podcast on the planet Mm -hmm. uh but then even um there are just some uh some guys that run podcasts but also do video essays and stuff like that that i follow and that's basically how they get their their uh engagement from their audience some of them even run twitch streams which uh i thought was just for video games but it turns out it's not yeah twitch is a thing i know nothing about but it seems to be gaining popularity like it's already popular yeah especially during coronavirus or during the pandemic it it blew up and i thought it was specifically just for video games or like people like oh here you can watch me play this game and you whatever but it turns out it's for a lot of stuff like it's it's basically here's where you can find me doing something live because that's basically the idea is that if you're a subscriber, you can pay to it and whatever, and then they'll come out with this live content and you'll be watching with them and chatting with them interactively live. I don't see many podcasts doing that because I don't think that that's the, the f- preferred like l- flow for people who listen to podcasts. I could right. be wrong. Maybe not live, but I, I do see a lot of podcasts have a video element to it. Exactly. Like it looks well produced. It looks like they're in a studio and they're talking yes. for three hours. Yep. And they, you know, someone's cutting between all the cameras and everybody there talking about Dave Chappelle on SNL, you know? Yeah. So I, I do think YouTube is a good idea. 
Yeah, that's that's basically. I mean, that's a. It's a. It's an enormous platform now. Uh, uh, I mean, it has been for years. But uh, B, it's like that's the. At the end of the day, you do you ever have that weird moment where you listen to somebody for a while? You've been listening to their podcast maybe for a little bit, or you tune into their segments or something like that, and then you watch a video with them, and you're you're like, oh wow, I. I didn't think they looked that way or I thought from their voice that they were right. You know, whatever. I think that that's, that's how you add another sort of dimension to your persona or, or to your, you know, because somebody could tune in to just our podcast and hear us talking about flow roll or elephant scout or, you know, how we address, you know, things that are going on in the pandemic or whatever, but there's another, it, it, I think it helps flush out the, the, you know, 360 degree person that, yeah. that you are by by either having more segments on YouTube that would be, you know, additional or auxiliary to the po- podcast, which becomes an option when you have a platform there. Or number two, if you're just hosting the, the podcast, but you see how somebody talks, how somebody expresses themselves, all this kind of stuff. There's like I think they say um, I forget what the what the quote is. It's one of those things like, uh, "Oh, did you know you only use ten percent of your brain?" Which is obviously not true. true. Yeah, <laughs> not true. Damn it! <laughs> the buck stops here. We're not doing. We're not doing that anymore. We're not. We're not opening that can of worms again. No, no. But uh, th- there's a certain percentage of human communication that is uh, nonverbal. Mm-hmm. So I think that. Adding in kind of, you know, not only the idea of what you're saying, but also maybe how expressive you are or passionate you are about it or, you know, whatever. There's probably a fair amount that goes into a video component that we don't even realize when it comes to podcasting. It, it just seems like the natural way to reach out to more audience members, um, given that, you know, with the podcast in and of itself, we have descriptions, we tag it with stuff. It goes through the podcast app, It you know, with enough engagement on there i presume it says oh you like this which is in that category so if i had to think of like entrepreneurial podcast or something like that you know oh you like you like this you'll probably also like ramen profitable so you might get a suggestion through there right i think it's a whole lot easier to do that by being on youtube or some video format that allows people to really kind of like get to know you and then connect with your content in that way Mm -hmm. and the comments section in YouTube are, is always crazy. So yeah, that's always that's, fun. That's how we would get engagement. Really, it's like I think that's where our audience lives: young, entrepreneurial, you know, whatever. I, they're on YouTube. I think that's where they they live. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think we might have some traction on uh, Instagram. Okay, I do think uh, it might be a little bit of work. Maybe something we don't do at the beginning, but I do sure. think at some point we could probably gain some traction on Instagram with some shareable graphics. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen those things, but we'd have to make our own and put our own twist on it. Right. And and that's sort of the thing. I think I I think that's a good idea because if I'm being completely honest, there are two accounts that I follow that just do that. Like that's all they do, right? But right. it's uh like for some reason <laughs> I don't know how I found this account, but I basically found this account that just pulls out quotes from Sun Tzu's The Art of War and like that's the account. <laughs> so it's like this and that's the thing. I follow and it's like I'm constantly double tapping because I read that because it, it's always 
early in the morning. Like they know who their audience. They actually that's an interesting study because it's su- such a simple account, right? They're, but they must know something about who their followership is because they uh, or maybe maybe my Instagram just personalizes to to the way that I work. It's hard for me to understand which side of the algorithm this is on. But every time it's, you know, 4.30 in the morning, I'm up getting ready to go to the gym. And there's a quote from Sun Tzu's Art of, the, Art of War about being prepared or being whatever. So it's like the timing that they post also. Like they really know who their audience is. Like, oh, who are the dipshits who are into reading <laughs> The Art of War and want to see it every day? Right. So similarly, I think I think you're right that, you know, you can get a fair amount of engagement and also learn something about your 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 followership or your listenership in this case. And um Specifically, if we were able to make that content really unique and our own, I think that 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 has a a firm pillar in this plan as well. For sure. I do think at some point we should tackle that, but maybe not right away. Yeah. Maybe let's focus on YouTube for a minute. Yeah. And kind of get in the flow of, of, you know, how we're how we're doing that. But I think you're totally right. Like I I'd be interested to see how that would drive a different sort of engagement. The same, the same kind of way I'm interested in YouTube is that I'd be interested to see how comments would work in that case or how uh, sharing anything works. Because, you know, with uh, w- one of the facets of Instagram specifically is that if you like people are able to just with a single click and just hear like share images with one another. Right. Like that simply. So it's like, there's a fair amount of stuff that, you know, if you are doing content that resonates with other people or makes them, you know, whatever, it's like the amount of German shepherd pictures that I <laughs> send out to a bunch of other people is is ridiculous. Right. So there's there's a communication effort there that that could really help. And I think I'd be really interested in figuring that out. So so essentially what you're saying is once you figure out where your audience lives and in this case, we're kind of feeling YouTube and Instagram, then it's then it's curating content for them. Is that, is that, would you say that's step three or, or am I getting ahead of myself here? No, I think step three would definitely be like, uh, establish a schedule of some sort. So mm-hmm. like we release this podcast every Monday. So Monday right. morning at 8 a.m. this podcast is released. Uh, you know, how are we going to supplement the podcast? How many, how many times do we want to post on YouTube? Mm-hmm. Uh, this podcast gets posted on YouTube with just the logo but do we want to supplement that with with video with the two of us talking so people can complete that 360 image of us right do we want to take quotes from today's episode and make a graphic out of it to post on Instagram mm-hmm. but what does that graphic look like what are we you know who's doing that who's doing that work yeah. and how often are we doing it yeah 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 because there's something that you know anytime i'm looking at how to have a successful Instagram profile, how to have a good YouTube, how to have whatever the number one thing that you see across the board, it doesn't even matter which modality, uh, you know, is, uh, consistency. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like that, that is the, and, and to a degree, that's also like, you'd think I'd be better about this because I've personally seen the benefits of being consistent, right? It's like, I went from uh, doing boxing workouts twice a week and just like sucking air the whole time and and just being terrible at it to then when I was consistent and all of a sudden I'm going every day and I, I feel good and it doesn't take as much energy and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. It's like, yes, that obviously is is the key. So, you know, driving an, a responsive audience and kind of growing and 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 having people share your content and all that kind of stuff, you have to be reliable. 
they have to know where to get your stuff and when they can get your stuff. It's like, you know, um, and that's, again, I think that really, that really helps with, um, uh, or, or rather that that's another asset that kind of YouTube really shows, which is that not only can you see previews for people's videos coming out, like it'll say, uh, and I, and I, I don't really know the internal mechanics. You would probably know more about how this works, but they have like video, uh, uh, what is that called where it's just the picture? Sure. Like uh, a, at the beginning of it, like a thumbnail? Thumbnail. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so they have just the thumbnail of what the video is. And then it'll say like, oh, this is, you know, uh, released next Friday or something like that. You know, it's like it's you can upload stuff that'll tell people that you're releasing stuff. And then once you get into it, that is, oh, it's every Friday. It's this, this, this you know, whatever. It, it kind of that drives me coming back to it because now I know every time uh, this podcast is released, which is in the one I'm thinking of, it's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I only learned that because I went to their YouTube page, saw that it was releasing Wednesday. And now I'm there every Wednesday morning. So uh, I think uh, I think we learned or I learned it from um, the the man himself, Mr. Matt Snap, who's a. Uh, beverage director of Fox restaurants, but he said, uh, consistency equals craveability. Consistency equals craveability. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. He was specifically referring to drinks, but I think it, it's, it makes sense. It makes sense context. for everything. Right. Yeah. It's that, look, you go to this bar, you get a margarita that just knocks your socks off. Right. If they make that same margarita, you know, the next time you order it and it still knocks your socks off, then every time you're at your house or you're coming off of work or something like that and you think like, man, I could really go for a margarita. Where's the place you're going to go for it? I think that's why um, Starbucks got so popular. It's because they made all of their coffees the same. Oh, yeah. Like, it's going to taste the same in Tucson as it does in Flagstaff or as it yeah. does in San Francisco or as it does in Missoula, Montana, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The The variability, you know, it's it's a good product in and of itself. It's packaged very nicely. The stores are always clean. The stores are always, uh, they always smell good. They always, you know, have some kind of like Nora Jones playing or some shit. I don't right, know. right. And it's the same product everywhere you go. You know, you mm-hmm. can be driving from uh, Tucson to Phoenix to Flagstaff to Vegas to, you know, whatever. And you're going to get the same good quality product the whole way through. So in reflection to our podcast, what that means is, you know, we're already releasing the podcast every week on the same week. Right. We've built up this catalog that people can now source through a little bit and get to know us. But now also when we're kind of building our outreach and we're trying to build our audience and uh, we're trying to market towards people and expand our audience, well, we need to be consistent about that too. And we need to make sure that people know where to get our stuff and when to get our stuff. And then, um, you know, just keep – and and that's then the emphasis on quality content is, you know, keep the quality up. Keep it – make sure that you're putting out the same quality content that you were a month ago when you weren't – when you didn't have all these – auxiliary priorities and you're good mm-hmm. to go. Right. So, so I do think we need to come up with a schedule of how often do we want to post on all these platforms? Yep. Yep. I, so I, think you're I right. mean, we have Mondays for sure for the podcast. Yeah. You know, do we want to do three times a week? Do we want to, I did five times or every week, every day on elephant scout for a couple months. Oh wow. How was and that? it was, it was uh, tough. It was tough, but I had someone yeah. helping me and mm-hmm. the way we uh, did it to where it was easier is that we picked a day to really, uh, curate all the content 
And then mm. we scheduled it out. So we had an, a platform. It was called Social Pilot, mm. where you can schedule your posts and write all your comments, all your... You can write your descriptions. You can get that all written and upload your pictures and everything. And then it just posts for you. Or it, it sets it up in a way to where you post it on, at the same time every day, every, you know, whatever you, you schedule it to do. Which makes consistency a whole lot more easy. Right. But it's, yeah. it's something we can do with even like a Google Calendar or a Todoist. You can schedule those posts and put <sighs> alarms on it. Yeah. You know, we just got to pick a day to sit down and really curate our content right pick our quotes find our art of war quotes. exactly and yeah find our art of war quotes and and that's sort of the thing it's like it would have been very easy i think to get that kind of a potent effect between consistency and then also uh as a result of that that craveability like for instance uh we had preston on on the podcast wouldn't it be great if we had some kind of image to share or something like that that was like here's preston you might know him from all these different things he's also behind uh he's behind uh the the new board game merge words or whatever like so not only are we plugging him but also we're saying hey coming up this you know it's i i think that's a a tool as old as time so to speak uh because that's what tv shows back when not everything was streaming right they'd right. be like oh next week on the practice or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever people watched back back then. Um, maybe the practice. It was a pretty popular show. Um, anyways, uh, but it'd be like, oh, next week. And then you get like this little flash of what's coming next week. It, I think that that's one of those things that, you know, building into our schedule is not only announcing the release of the podcast or the quotes from the podcast or something like that, but it's like, if we got somehow ahead of the game as well and and announced what was next on the podcast, which that, of course, will create like we need to have some forwards and backwards uh, feedback loops there, because I think it's really easy to do that with guests uh-huh. because you're saying, oh, we're having this guest on, you know, whatever. It's a whole lot harder to do that with a podcast where, like, for instance, if we don't have a guest and like today we're working on marketing plans and stuff like that we would have ha- we would have to be very regimented about about our content that we are going to engage on weekly even though we haven't done it yet but we we know what we're talking about and we know what we're you know that sort of thing right so i think you're i think you're right it's it's uh like th- so that's kind of what curating your content refers to is not only like setting up a schedule, but also being very mindful and being very tactical about it. Well, I think curate your content might be a, the next step. Mm. So, you know, you make your schedule of how often you want to post. So you know how much time you need to commit and how much you need to really create. And then you could kind of see how much, uh, you know, if you can't do seven days a week, if you can do once a week, that's fine. As long as it's a, a quality content, but right. just knowing yourself and your schedule and what you can do, you don't have to go a hundred percent on all these platforms all the time. You can do a little bit and it's, it's going to be gradual growth with this marketing plan. It's not going to be yeah. instantaneous. It's going to take months. It's probably going to take a year to build a decent audience. Mm-hmm. So just establishing a schedule that's actually doable that you can stick to, to create that consistency, I think is, uh, 
part of this marketing plan. And then once you curate your content, you can really see if you can grow or if you need to uh, shrink a little bit mm-hmm. in your creations and your curating. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, the first step is, is to kind of establish a cadence that works for you or, or not the first step rather, but the, in this case, the third step, uh-huh. you're, you're, uh, you're creating a cadence that really works for you. You're understanding, therefore, once you're creating this cadence, how much, and I, and I presume that this involves a fair amount of testing, right? Like you, at first you think that like five days a week is going to be good. So you're like, all right, cool. Let me do five days a week. You find out that, uh, you know, oh, the first posts were doing really well, but then by the middle of the week, no one gave a shit because there was so much volume going out and also I'm strapped for time, blah, blah, blah. So then you figure out that you can dial it back. I presume these, these things are pretty plastic, right? Like it's not, nothing set in stone as you're. Nothing's ever set in stone, but once you actually get that schedule rolling, I think that's when you should start setting things in stone. So, I mean, that's, I, I guess that wouldn't necessarily be a step, but, but, uh, not bailing is not one bailing of the, is, is, the, is, uh, is why you create the schedule. So you, you right. kind of, you know what you're signing up for. Right. And it's, it, you're not just constantly facing that blank feed with nothing on it mm-hmm. and just that need to fill it in immediately with everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I only need to post something on Wednesday. I don't have to worry about about it today. Right. Like, like I'll be fine. So it's easier to commit to and not bail on. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. 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 Once anytime anything's, you know, whether it's a, a diet plan, whether it's uh you know, a workout regimen, whether it's uh, a schedule that you make yourself for the day. And that's why Todoist had such a big impact <laughs> on me. And if you want to learn more about Todoist, I think it was two episodes ago. Uh, go find our episode about Todoist and listen to our review of the app. But that's why it basically changed. That That's exactly why. Once I listed everything out and once I know what tomorrow is going to look like, because at the end of the day I can review and say like, oh, these are all the things I didn't get done. Therefore, these are the first things that I'm going to do tomorrow. It makes sure that I'm holding myself accountable to doing so. So similarly, oh man, I'm going to set up a Todoist for the podcast. It's gonna yeah, be man, great. it's going to be great. Ugh. But but uh, in the curating part, what kind of posts do you want to be making every week? So let's say you decide to post twice a week. Mm-hmm. Is it a video and a podcast? Is it uh, a quote image on Instagram mm-hmm. and then a video and a podcast? Is it are you sharing things on your story from other uh, feeds that you like? Are you going on... Uh, you know, are we doing like vlogs? Are we going to do a vlog on how we're actually doing our action steps with whatever we've talked about that week? Are we going to be like, oh, today mm-hmm. I did this with my flow roll. I came up with a new name and it's way better. Yeah, man, I wish uh, I wish that was <laughs> somewhere in my in my recent history because that hasn't been the case. Yeah. And, and and again, then that's additional, you know, content that goes into the YouTube, you know, so then we're then we're diversifying essentially our channel and making it more well-rounded, making more, you know, whatever. Uh, I think and and correct me if I'm incorrect, but this is where that kind of backwards, f- backwards and forwards feedback comes from defining your audience and then which is step one and then step two, figuring out where your audience lives and where they engage us is because that would inform how you want to communicate them or, or now that we're curating content, that's basically the backbone of that is that, oh, we already understand that, you know, a lot of our community because of the specific types and demographics that they represent, we already know that they exist on Instagram and on YouTube, uh, as well as like Twitch and some other things like that. So now I know already 
those are the things that I would want to be driving towards Mm -hmm. in my curated content. Right. So given that, I mean, specifically referring to the podcast, um, you know, I think the, the natural takeaway, and I think that this works both before release of the pod. See, we have a very tight window where we record and then we post or, or record and then, uh, the podcast goes up. Right. Right. So that's a pretty narrow window. So I don't know if it works necessarily, but I think the the quote posts basically that we're talking about, I think those work both before the podcast is released, but then also after. Oh, of like, course, because those podcasts know, are going to live on the platform forever. Right. So they can always reference that podcast no matter what. Right. Exactly. And and sometimes, you know, you'll never know. Uh, like, I, I think that's where uh, also maybe having this quality content back catalog can also be really helpful because you know, if we go back and we listen to episode three, four, you know, whatever, there might be something said in that that specifically relates to some current event. Like you you never know when that's going to crop up and when you can back reference an episode by doing a, a quote post about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that that would really uh, I, I really like the idea with that. Like you said, it might take some time to develop, you know, the cadence of how we're doing that. But I, I think that's a really good way of how we reach out to more people via instagram you know way more about the algorithms and stuff like that than i, do, I don't think so. you, i don't think we need to worry about the algorithms but but with social with like everything about social media it's about the engagement that you've talked about mm-hmm. but yeah mm-hmm. so creating quote posts and talking with their audience and listening to what they're saying and what they engage with and what they don't engage with is all about curating your content right so and, and they, i think that that's yeah that that's that's the other part you know that i was going to say that i think is a, a real strong option that we've sort of talked about for this podcast is mini episodes mm-hmm. because the mini episodes are a little bit uh less uh information dense um and kind of more like loose conversations eventually once we develop more of an audience that can even specifically be about relating backwards with our audience or something if right if, you know we could we could like talk about like oh here are our you know here's a quick mini episode about uh we had a lot of reactions to our to our episode about you know in this case building a marketing plan here's what some of our feedback look look like and then we can actually be engaging with our audience on the show while creating mini episodes creating more content you know it, it kind of it, it all sort of works together. So I think, I mean, quote posts and then many episodes to YouTube or more content to YouTube to funnel people to the long form podcast. I really think those are the two strong things that we have working for us. Yeah. Same here. Or we could have working for us. Okay. So to let, let me, let me make sure I've got this right so far. So to recap, you know, the, the first like step or the first thing is to be making quality content. Like that already has to be kind of taking precedence because otherwise you don't have a pot. Like that's what we were talking about in terms of a back catalog or anything like that. You don't have anything that people would want. You don't want to be considered maybe a bot account and you're adding all your friends and you're creating yourself a hashtag and stuff, but you don't have anything. It's like nobody is going to care about that. Like that, that, you know, so have quality content, have an idea, have something um, that you are willing to share. And this is, I think one of the key things there is that be willing to share, like be bold, be brave, be willing to share it. I think we had an episode of CSS about that where, you know, I'm really reticent to put something out until I, you know, it's, it's the, it's the same metaphor as um, I always think that I need to go back and get another degree. Right. Oh my God. And, don't do it. Don't even say that. I know. No, 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 no. And, and trust me, I'm, don't I'm do it. Don't do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I won't. I swear. But, but that's basically my thing. And it's like, 
be bold, be brave, put something out there, get responses to it. You'll, you know, get enough reactions one way or another and you'll figure out what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. But you have to have quality content first. So that has to be your, you know, starting off point. Uh, then our second step that we were kind of talking about was defining your audience. Uh, like, who are you talking about when you talk about engaging with your audience? Or who are you trying to talk to? Who are you trying to get reactions from? Uh, who are you trying to show your really cool project to? Uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and then kind of a subset of that, uh, whether or not this is considered step two, I think it's a meaty enough thing to be step two in and of itself. But I'll let you kind of decide that. Uh, but step two is kind of like figuring out where your audience interacts. How do you reach them? How do you, you know, we are probably, we're not probably, we are a more connected society now than we ever have been ever before. I th- people used to write letters to each other. Nobody does that anymore. Uh, no. And you, and you don't have to do that, you know? So it's, you know, if, if you were uh, in the civil war and you wanted to communicate something back home, you had to uh, mail a letter that went in somebody's shoulder bag while they were riding a pony. You know, we don't do that anymore. Uh, so now you can reach out to your audience in any number of ways. You know, do they uh, are is your audience the type of people who primarily use email and therefore like an uh, an email listserv would probably be the best way to reach them? Do they interact on kind of more youthful mediums like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter? I mean, Twitter is just like well, a garbage. Well, no, it, it all depends on your Target audience. So you spent some time defining your target audience, but where do they live? So mm-hmm. let's say you're a dance instructor. Are you going to be posting mm-hmm. dance instructing videos on MySpace? Are you going to be like a cool dancer on TikTok? You know, right? Like, oh. like really aligning your your audience with the proper platform and what content you can create to really engage in the in the right audience. So you're not forcing a giant rock uphill. It's just, it's a smaller rock. You're still pushing uphill, but it's, it's, it aligns more with you and your message and what you're trying to accomplish. You're basically, uh, figuring out the, the perfect combination for the right medium for your message and where your audience lives, right? Basically figuring out where your audience lives and specifically how does your message or your product or whatever come through on that medium. So, yeah, the man, see, I didn't even because I was thinking about like, oh, you know, dance instructor, same thing, YouTube, uh, uh, Instagram. But it's like, man, yeah, uh, it's it's a medium that I wouldn't even think about because it's not, you know, the kind of posting that I'm interested in or where I think my audience lives. Yeah. TikTok, of course. Yeah. Like it's TikTok. Yeah. So it's finding the right medium for your message and for your audience. That's essentially what it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. Step three, establish a cadence or in our case, like we're referring to it as a schedule, uh, but but basically establish a cadence for your content that, you know, makes it uh, it has to be a very accomplishable. I, I think that kind of ties back to smart goals, right? Specific, realistic, all that kind of stuff. It's like your schedule has to be accomplishable, like you have to actually be able to hold that schedule and not falter or not, you know, because uh, that you have to be consistent and you have to be, uh, uh, craveable in that sort of sense. Like, yeah. So start small. I, I would recommend starting small, even if it's once a week, mm-hmm. uh, twice a week, don't go big. Don't, you don't have to post seven days a week, twice mm-hmm. a day. You can post once a week and just start small. Just, you know, get, get into the groove of it. Cause it's going to be over. It's going to feel overwhelming if you agree to do yeah seven days a week, twice a day type of thing. 
Right, 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 right. And and also, I mean, you, what you might find out is that uh, a little might go a long way. Like right. you might, you if you post three times a week to whatever mediums, maybe even different mediums, so that you're hitting a different medium once a week or something like that. That may end up going a whole a whole long way. So there's no sense in burning yourself out or making things too complex make a schedule or, or essentially what you're saying is make a cadence and a schedule that you can really stick to build that consistency and build that reliability with your audience and that they know where to find you and when exactly. Cool. Okay. Uh, step five, curate your content according to your schedule and according to your audience. Right. So, do you want to, do you want to do dance videos? Do you want to do mm-hmm. quote posts? Do you want to do pictures? Do you want to do vlogs? Do you want to do uh, live streams? Do you want to uh, do just retweet other people or repost other people's things? Do you want to do interviews with people so on wherever you'll do your interviews? Just like what kind of content do you think would resonate best with the audience you're trying to build, the audience you've defined, and the audience that you found on these different platforms? Like what aligns with all those things? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where uh, the quality comes in. Like it has to be good. It has to be good quality content. Otherwise people are going to uh, not take it as seriously as you'd like them to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And th- and that's sort of, I think that probably there's a whole lot of different ways to interpret that, but even people's uh, TikToks and stuff like that, you know, it's, we have all the tools Right. right. We, we have all the tools. We have an iPhone that can record in 4K. I mean, there's <laughs> there's no reason, you know, and if you just do a little bit of searching, it's it's like how you and I in the previous episode both uh, were, were talking about Canva, but to two totally different people. But it's because we had the same idea of like, oh, I want to post this and I want to you know, whatever. It's like all the tools are out there to make your content high quality and very professional. Just do the digging and do the background research to figure out how to do that first. Yeah, for sure. Okay, gotcha. So, so we've got a, a nice little tight. These are the the uh, marketing uh, dance steps. I, I think there's like one bit, like one more step, really, and that's going to be the engagement step, where we're actually uh, it's engagement where you're really talking with your audience and conversing with them, but also giving them a way to really get in touch with you. So, like at, at the end of these podcasts, we should probably be doing, "Hey, everybody, please leave us a review." Yeah. So, you know, we can give them a call to action or if you want it, if you want more information, check out our Instagram page. Like it really uh, establish a, a network of ways to get in touch with you, whether it's through a DM or a comment on YouTube or a, a podcast review, uh, email list. You know, let's say you're signing up, you're, you want to build an email list, you know, mm-hmm. really find find ways to really build up that engagement with your audience that that's not overwhelming, but kind of filtered to what's most beneficial to everybody, not just mm. the people leaving hate comments. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, don't yeah. like your t-shirt, but, but I, like leave leave an, like on Instagram, there's a way to leave a, a, you know how you can leave a comment underneath your picture. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, today I was out grocery shopping and I saw these cool kumquats. It's like, who, <laughs> what's your favorite thing at the grocery store? Like have, leaving a call to action right, at the end of, right. of posts and comments to where people can respond to it and, and, and start a conversation. So your engagement is really going to be about starting, 
starting conversations, providing conversation starters and providing ways to get in touch with you to have those conversations with individuals, with groups of people. Yeah. Whatever so, aligns so, most I mean, with you. Yeah. So basically don't expect, uh, if, if you want to build this great audience and if you want to, uh, you know, build up your product or your podcast or your service or whatever it is, don't expect these sorts of engagements to be, you know, completely one sided. Like, oh, I posted this thing. Why aren't I getting a million likes on it and getting more downloads on my podcast? It's like, well, because this has to be a two way relationship. We have to make it a, a conversation. We have to make it a, you know, uh, something that keeps the audience coming back for more is that they know how to reach us and they feel like they're and I mean, that's why it's such a trite word now or it's so overused engagement. But that's ultimately what that means. Right. Is that they feel like they are heard or represented or something. And and th- th- that way, it's not just me speaking to a wall or me, you know, because that defeats the purpose of having an audience at all. We're all engaging in this. And then this way, the podcast, in a sense, also becomes a byproduct of the people who listen to it, which is then that makes that kind of it it drives the product forward in a sense, and it drives your audience forward as well. Exactly. Hmm. All right. I like it. I like it. Okay. So, I mean, we've figured out our audience and we've already kind of been talking about some uh, different versions of posting and stuff like that. I think uh, I think you're right. I think we we schedule it out. Just got to schedule it out. Plop it in the to doist. Oh yeah, I'm. You know what? I'm definitely gonna make a section of the to do list for uh, for the podcast that way because uh, it just makes my life so much better. I love to do list. 